You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 130, we're discussing the start of production on episode 9 and wrapping up our SDCC 2018 discussions with a little Marvel talk. I'm on your host, Tim. And I'm Sanjay. No Troy this week. We continue the musical chairs of the <laughs> Nerd Room. You've heard Troy and Sanjay. You've heard myself and Steve Kirk. You heard an episode of Detours, our newest podcast is dropping on this feed and this week you've got sanjay and i and i'm excited to be back at the table it's the first time we've recorded back in the nerd room in almost a month wow it's been that long yes it's been that long i'm back from vacation it was one hell of a time yeah but i'm excited to talk nerd so much has happened in the meantime in the absence from the nerd room yes we have been keeping up with things as best as possible but we got a whole slew of things to talk about this week and i cannot wait to get into it yeah it's fun welcome back i'm glad you enjoyed your vacation and yeah it's back it's good to be back in the nerd room and let's do this thing yeah i'm really feeling i'm really feeling a good vibe for tonight my man oh get that aquaman (laughs) we're gonna discuss that a little bit because you and i have not a chance to chat but first things first off the top of the episode we have two very big announcements with regards to the Star Wars Commonwealth, first off, we'd like to welcome a new member, a 10th podcast to the Star Wars Commonwealth, and that is the Retro Inc. podcast. Now, this is coming from two people that we know from TSW VIPs. That's Adam and Andy. They've got a rocking new podcast out there. They're dropping two episodes a week. And Holy they, smokes. Yeah, it's big time. I don't know even how they find the time. Really great stuff. It really fits into another niche part of the Star Wars Commonwealth. Yes, they're talking Star Wars, but they're talking a little bit of everything with regards to geekdom to nerddom. So make sure to go check them out. Give them a follow on Twitter, and you'll be seeing all their credentials fly up on StarWarsCommonwealth.com within the next few days when I have a time to sit down and actually do it all. But make sure to go follow them. They're on Apple iTunes. They're on Podbean, all these different forums where you can find podcasts. But really great stuff. So guys, welcome to the Star Wars Commonwealth. Yeah, welcome. You guys are going to enjoy it. I can't wait to listen to your podcast. And the 10th podcast, and there's 10 Star Wars movies. So, you know, I think that's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. We're keeping up. Almost one a year, so we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. We're going to be in a little bit of trouble when the Disney streaming service comes on, but... Uh... <laughs> big time. Big time. And another little bit of news from the Star Wars Commonwealth. We'd also like to welcome two more Knights of the Commonwealth. One is Corey Riley. He was nominated by Generation X-Wing. Have some interaction with him on Twitter. Lots of fun, so welcome to the Star Wars Commonwealth. And also the big one for last week was Matthew Salvador. Now, he was, I think, originally introduced by Tumbling, or not Tumbling Saber. They did mention him as well, announcing that last week. But also Steve Kirk from San Diego Sabres mentioned him last Monday on their podcast. And we would like to take this opportunity to welcome Matthew officially to the Star Wars Commonwealth. Now, he has been a big contributor, a big guy on Twitter that we talk to and interact with almost on a daily basis. He's got that amazing Stop Lego Motion or Stop Motion Lego YouTube channel. We'll make sure to link that below 
And yeah, I'm so excited that he's part of this bigger group now, officially. He's always been part of it, but now he's got that title of Knight. Yeah, welcome, Corey. Welcome, Matthew. Uh, Matthew, you know, I love your Lego Stop Animation videos, and I love that you're one of the, not few, one of the many supporters of Batman v Superman. So you got my back on that <laughs> on that movie, so I appreciate that, and I'm looking forward to seeing... Uh, more of your Lego Stop animation videos. Yeah, awesome. So Go give welcome. those guys a follow. Like I said, I'm going to link them below so you can make sure you get on board with all the Knights of the Commonwealth. And like them, if you're a contributor in a very positive way to the Star Wars community in general or to the podcast, the Star Wars Commonwealth in general, you too can be knighted as being part of the Knights of the Commonwealth. And we're working in the background here because coming with the Knights of the Commonwealth, not only in title, there are going to be some perks that we're going to be revealing over the next few weeks that is going to come with that title. So you get a few extra things on top of us having to call you Sir, as we call Sir Grabs. That's right. Sir Grabs, Sir Matthew, Sir, Sir Corey. Yes. Yeah. All of them. And I have to mention here, Grabs, we do apologize. You will, your question will be aired next week once we have Troy in the room. We're going to save it when we get back to full basics here in the nerd room you're going to hear grabs contributions again on a weekly basis starting next week again so we do apologize for not having that in here we've got a lot to catch up on here and we want to make sure that we have all three of us to hammer out those questions because we do have an absolute blast with them yeah absolutely all right now that we've got all the house cleaning out of the way we got some catching up to do my man let's get into <laughs> our week's in nerd because it's been right. a little while since i've discussed this and i've done a lot of viewing different films i've been reading trades i've been going and doing a lot of behind the scenes on different films so i'm excited to talk a lot about that but i gotta hear man what's going on in your life what's going on in your nerd world yeah you know it's a busy busy week i mean we got back-to-back -back big releases of steelbooks coming up we got avengers infinity war and deadpool 2 yes so that's uh, my wallet r.i.p yeah. um <laughs> uh and but you know just catching up on wonder woman comics i've been reading that um catching up on the new justice league uh by scott snyder which has been really good just nice. watching a lot of great movies as well you know just really diving deep into broadening my uh, horizons of films and uh you know I, it's funny because like I, I have so many movies but there's always like three or four that i'm constantly like i should watch this so i'm really trying to stay away from those three and four because like i'm like i've seen this like 30 times so like let's watch something else yeah i have the same problem i have a tendency to constantly go back to MCU films or Star Wars yeah. films, just an easy fallback. Oh, yeah. And I've done the same thing as you. I've been trying to broaden out and catch some movies that I've missed over the past couple of months because I've had the opportunity to get to the theater, because we've been going to MCU, MCU films, Star Wars films, you know, these big tentpole films. Mm -hmm. And so I got to watch Jurassic World and Ready Player One while I was away on holidays. My dad and I went and watched Jurassic World, or I guess Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. And I caught Ready Player One uh, last week. So... I got to talk about Ready Player One really quickly here. Okay. Really enjoyed the film. Nice. I thought it was an absolute blast. It wasn't as epic as I thought it was going to be. Okay, yeah. But I love the Easter eggs. love the basic concept of the film. I thought it was really well presented. Mm -hmm. The whole story in itself, yeah, it was really great. Spielberg did awesome. The visuals were great. So overall, I like. I really thoroughly enjoyed the film. Oh, yeah. That film is so rewatchable. I mean, I saw it on the Thursday, and then I went the next day on the Friday and oh, saw wow. it again. Yeah. So I really, really loved it. Like Right now, that's number one for me 
of the year. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I really... It's just something... It's just like... It's the simplest story. It's not like too overly yeah, complicated. It's a bit predictable in parts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's like such a great... Like, it reminds you of like your childhood days. You know, those movies like The Goonies or something like that. Like, Spielberg really captured that nostalgia yeah. in that film. And, and he's, he's quite good at that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think my biggest problem actually was the lead. I don't know. Oh, the okay. actor, I didn't find him incredibly engaging. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it was. He was much better when he was in the Oasis. Mm-hmm. But outside in the real world, I don't know what it was. His delivery of lines or something. I just was never enthralled with him. I was more enthralled with the, his supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Particularly the the female lead. She was really great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what's the Z or... Oh, yeah, Z, yeah. The, like, the one, the Iron Giant and all that. Oh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I love both in and out of the Oasis. I thought they were mm-hmm. great. So great supporting cast and the villain um what's his name from rogue one oh yeah he's um, also from uh dark knight rises yes yes he's in all our favorite genres he just <laughs> needs to make an mcu appearance and he's got the trifecta and he's got it going on wow <laughs> we could nominate him for you know being the <laughs> but um yeah i don't know what it was about him he was another one that i just he just was kind of flat for me okay um i found him again it came with the, the engagement i was never really connected to his story i just felt like yeah he just wanted to be rich and powerful and that that's fine i get it yeah but i don't even know i guess you need some sort of antagonist in there yeah i i was hoping and i haven't read the book or anything maybe he's better than the book but it could have been just a race for something i it's i really don't know i, I enjoyed <laughs> the film but those are the two things that kind of fell a little oh, okay. bit flat for me i thought you know i thought he was hilarious because he was such an idiot and like his password was what boss man 69 or yeah. something i laughed in the theater but i think i was the only one who laughed maybe that immature. was it maybe i just didn't feel like he was there intellectually oh yeah uh, like he just kind of was a bumbling idiot he would yeah. never felt like a true threat Mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't know anyways <laughs> i don't want to be negative on that because i did really enjoy the film nice nice okay so now we got the second one jurassic world fallen kingdom yeah let's let's talk about this because this one we got to unpack a lot of baggage with this film yeah <laughs> give her I, I i'll let you lead this one because i i want to know what your opinion is on it because you kind of teased it what three or four episodes ago Okay. And you're waiting for my opinion here. So I want I want to hear yours here first. Okay. And then I'll see because I have a feeling I know where you're going with it, but yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. Um so minor spoilers or I'll try to stay away from spoilers as much as possible, but uh, judging by the box office, everyone in the world has already seen this cuz it's pulled in like 1.2 billion dollars, yeah. which is insane. Um this one I didn't like it as much as Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. Um but I probably would like it more than I do like it more than Jurassic park three um jurassic park two i don't know i'd have to see that one again it's been a while since i've seen that one to compare it but it's in that range some stuff i really like like the special effects were fantastic the dinosaurs have not looked as good until like since the first one yeah they had looked really good the story just went like sideways for me like you have this one setup you're in the island you have to rescue the dinosaurs and then you take dinosaurs and you make like a haunted house movie in this like mansion and, like, some of the stuff with the dinosaurs, like, seemed, like, so far removed from what the franchise started off as. Like, you had a dinosaur, and this is spoilers, not really, but I think it's in the trailer, like, pulling the covers from a little kid and, like, smiling and, like, you know, human interactions like that. Yeah. And I was like, is this, like, human? Is this dinosaur part human? And uh, the ending, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, it involves a certain young girl. And she makes a decision that I was, like, in the theater 
at the very end, I was like, why would she do that? And why are they okay with her doing that? So <laughs> I was like, she just, you know, I, I don't know. It was, uh, it definitely is like a gap film because I think the 100%. third one is going to be really cool. And you have dinosaurs loose in the world. And, you know, as you said, you've always talked about that being the end game that you really wanted to see. Yeah. So I think this one was a gap film, but maybe they didn't even need it. <laughs> like it just seemed like a, un, maybe an unnecessary film, but uh, it's, it's fun. Um, it shut your brain off. It just uh, wasn't my favorite movie of the year for me, but I still had fun. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because that's more or less where I thought you'd go with it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is it smel- felt smelt. It felt like a very <laughs> small film. Mm-hmm. We're used to these big epic pieces in that Jurassic franchise. Yeah. This really scaled it back. And not so much to tell a personal story, but just to tell a smaller story. And I think your point about being a gap film is very much true mm-hmm. because... It just felt like it was wrapping up a couple plots. Like it gets, you know, we see this in the trailer, so spoilers, but it gets rid of the island. Yeah. The dinosaurs come off it. So it um, it felt like they wanted to do something else, but they needed this kind of bridge film mm-hmm. to get them there. The characters that we know from the previous film, I like seeing them back. Yeah. I'm happy that they've basically said, or I don't know if they've said, but maybe no more genetically modified dinosaurs. Let's just go with your old classics, which they've clearly alluded to. But overall, I think it was, it was fun. I, my mm-hmm. dad and I liked it. It was, wasn't the best Jurassic film, but yeah. certainly not the worst. Yeah. I mean, I think like to me, the first one, even though it's like junk science, like Hollywood science, but it made sense. And yeah. like, it was a believable film, like that exact scenario, you know, I think could happen. This one here, I was just like, there's just so much stuff. Like the one part that I like laughed in the theater is when they're doing the auction. Yeah. And then they had, like the the people that they had were such caricatures of oh, yeah, like villains. Like Russian Russian mobster. <laughs> yeah. He's like twenty millions or something, yeah. or like five millions. I was like, that's all it takes. It's just five million for like a genetically modified <laughs> did, I, dinosaur. I agree. It didn't seem like that much. I was right. Like, I mean, not that we have more expensive. Yeah. Right. Like five million. Like, and then like the total was like someone like brought this point up online i think it was grace randolph she's like the total money that they raised from the auction was like 95 million but the movie itself cost like 200 million to make so it costs more to make a movie about dinosaurs than actual dinosaurs like i was like stuff like that but you know as i said it's it's fun but i mean of course nothing will ever compare to the first one no and like you said you got to shut your brain off when you go into the theater this is what it is but I'm really looking forward to what they're doing next. They set a lot of plot devices up mm-hmm. that are meant to get you to the third act of the third film type thing. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to hopefully what they do next. Based off the box office, there's no way they're shutting this franchise down. Oh, hell no. Yeah, there's probably like three more sequels coming. Yeah, They'll get really. like a spinoff of Blue or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyways, I think at least for our weekend nerd, I want to kind of wrap this up with two different things here. Um, I want to give a shout out to Steve Kirk. He was on the podcast last week. Thank you very much, first of all, for coming on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I did get my Funko Pop, my SDCC 2018 Marvel Studios first 10 year exclusive Funko Pop of the Iron Man Mark 1. Now it's here. It's in hand. It looks gorgeous. I'm so pumped to have this in my collection. It's such a unique piece. It's one of a kind. Well, I'm sure there's hundreds of them, but <laughs> it's a one-of-a-kind pop available at a one-of-a-kind 
convention. So, Steve, thank you very much for that. This is going to take a prominent place in my collection. And I like having, like I said a couple weeks ago, little pieces of memorabilia that actually mean something, that connect to something, connect to a friend mm-hmm. we have down in Steve Kirk and San Diego Sabres. Check him out on San Diego Sabres Radio Podcast and also in last week's episode. Yeah, that Funko Pocket. I'm not um, a big collector of Funkos, but that looks amazing. I mean, if I saw that on the shelf, I'd pick it up. Yeah, the Mark One, fantastic stuff. Oh, really yeah. the kickoff to Marvel Studios. That Iron Man film, this is the first Iron Man suit we got. The first superhero, really in the mcu and it's represented beautifully here in funko pop form gotta love those funkos you do and gotta love give us free stuff funko (laughs) yeah really (laughs) last thing i want to talk about here comic books now i caught up on a ton of trades while i was away i caught up all the black panther which is all incredible i got to read a lot of the infinity stuff that's going on right now countdown to infinity i caught up on all the thanos books as well so it's all really great stuff and this week dropping into comic book shops i just wanted to give everyone a heads up about this fantastic four are back the number one issue by sarah pacelli and dan slot oh dan slot dan slot is writing it so that is coming landing on shelves in the comic book stores one day ago if you're listening to this podcast right here on thursday now this looks pretty exciting i'm definitely hitting the shop to grab this as well next week or this week sorry the fortress vader arc in the darth vader charles soul series starts tomorrow starts i guess a day ago issue 19 (laughs) of that and this is going to be an absolutely incredible he's been teasing this for months now i cannot wait to get my hands on this is there anything in the comic book shop you're looking forward to this week absolutely um you got batman 52 which came out last week and i (laughs) forgot to pick up um but i just have a bunch of stuff to go back i've been slowly um picking up and reading um back issues of a bunch of books that i'm catching up on finding that time uh making that time actually um stepping away from my movie watching uh addiction as you will and reading some comics and i'm enjoying it i'm getting more back into it i really love the comics the one thing is though you know i the twice a week from dc is a little much yeah it's a lot it's a lot to catch up on and i understand why they're doing it but you know i don't want to like say like give me less comics but you know when you read four uh series and you're once a month that's you only have to read one book a week you know what i mean but now i get i mean it's only like an extra book a week like two books a week so it's not that much more but it you know it adds up and two two a week and then you got your uh, special events you got your crossovers i mean the watchman series is coming out uh once a month as well so it adds up um you know i'd like to see them go back to once a month because then maybe i'd pick up a book of like a green lantern or a flash again so yeah broaden that uh horizon of the superheroes but yeah as as of right now i'm still trying to uh catch up nice yeah it's it's exciting i always love new comic book day and yeah it's a lot of great stuff the captain america series is awesome going on right now from marvel so my whole demeanor towards marvel has dramatically changed from what it was a year and a half ago if you remember if you've been listening that long i had a really hard time jumping into some of these books mm-hmm. but now i've got my pull list is back up to around eight or nine books wow it had dropped down to three at one point wow and it had originally was at like 20 so i'm kind of liking this i'm maybe shooting for about 10 books a month or so you could uh pick up a batman or a justice league i gotta find some space for it maybe maybe a flash i don't know we're gonna talk about flash here in a few minutes so i might might need to get my uh 
flash viewing. I would see. Let's see what this DC universe. Well, hopefully does. not those flash viewings. Ooh, maybe. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm the only one in the room here, so uh, I mean, my shorts are kind of short, but uh, not that short. You, you keep have yourself. <laughs> oh, thanks, Tim. Um, we went way off topic there. A little tangent there, but I might use the DC universe or the DC streaming service to jump into some comic books with the yeah. digital reading there that you guys discussed a few weeks ago. That's right. That's right. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, you can I'm, read comics on your 4K TV. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It might be a good, like we had said in the past, a good jumping on point for people. Like, let's consume a bit of DC universe in the sense of film, TV, and maybe the comic books. If I can get it, if I'm paying like whatever is 10 bucks a month or whatever, I may just jump into that because that's like a couple books, right? If you think of it from a comic book perspective. Yeah. Like really in Canada, that's two books. Yeah, yeah. With and, the foreign exchange, yeah. Yeah, and so if I can read some bigger trades and some bigger stories, it might help me kind of get into DC a little bit more or at least understand some of the history when it comes to like, I've read stuff like Quarter Owls mm -hmm. and the Killing Joke and all that, some of the yeah. big classics, but jumping into some other stories on some of the side characters that I don't know as well, like a Flash, even like a Wonder Woman mm -hmm. that I haven't constantly very much time or reading on in the past i've really just consumed batman and superman stuff oh they're the two best yeah <laughs> well they're the big ones right they're yeah. the easiest to i guess i wouldn't say relate with but i understand the character enough that yeah. i doesn't i don't feel the barrier for entry to be too high yeah i get the origin story you know where wonder woman's a bit more complex i kind of get it from the film but it's something I'm kind of excited to do with this new streaming service. Yeah, the one thing I'm really excited about this streaming service is if it's a hit and say like DC gets like a couple million subscribers a month, you know, it's 10 bucks a month. DC's going to be making that extra coin. And, you know, with movies coming out, there was a lot of there's a lot of pressure now because there's basically the whole market for videos is half or like a third of what it was maybe even like a quarter of what it was 10 years ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure now on the movies to come out and perform well at the box office. The streaming service does well. DC is just going to be hungry for content to give fans and to give viewers of the subscriber service. So, you know, a film that maybe doesn't do so well in the box office, but it becomes a hit on the subscriber service, hey, maybe they'll get a sequel. Whereas now if a film comes out and it isn't a hit in the theater and, you know, people find it, they're like, oh, it's really good. It doesn't really get picked up for sequels anymore. No. So that's something that I'm really excited for. And uh, not that any of the films, you know, I'm saying that they're bad at the box office. They've all done quite well. But just something that if it happens in the future, DC's just like going to give us more and more content because you got to feed us, you know, the content with Netflix and Disney and all these other Hulu, all these other streaming services. You know, you always got to be churning out that fresh and that good content. Yeah, and DC seems to be really picking up the pace as of late because in the news over the last few weeks, we've got some confirmation or at least some very heavy rumored ideas that a few films are either in active development or ready to go into production. And that mm -hmm. is Supergirl, Flash, and Birds of Prey. Yeah. So this all fits within the box of the DC Extended Universe. And this also is being run in parallel with the Joker stuff that's going on. So there's yeah. a lot of things in active development. But beyond that, I guess I'm going to say in air quotes, active development, it's the start of production that's a bit more exciting. Mm -hmm. Some confirmation or at least some heavy rumors that these films are moving past that develop active development phase, which we've seen a lot of these films kind of stuck in for a little while. Yeah. They announced the whole slate. They've really backed off on it. But it seems the streaming service, some of the success they've had with Wonder Woman and even the look of Shazam and Aquaman, it looks like they're finding their footing finally. And 
it's interesting that these are the three films mm-hmm. that seem to be getting at least some of the fanfare around the idea that these are an active development, like no sign of Man of Steel 2, no sign of the Batman, your big temple films. But if they find success with a film like Shazam, mm-hmm. that could go a long way with some of these other films. Like we seem to be stepping into that oddball phase two phase three of marvel where you're getting your doctor strangers your guardians of the galaxy like Mm -hmm. these type of films that are a bit sideways bit less recognizable by the general population but what are your overall thoughts about these three films going to production then we can kind of break them down in a bit more detail as to what exactly we know about them yeah i mean for me everything that dc gives me i'm excited for um i really like what they've been churning out and it's as you said it seemed to be really catching that momentum you have Aquaman, Shazam. I mean, those two trailers have had a ton of views on YouTube. I love the Shazam one. Like, oh, I, it's so I good. I fell in love. Like, I, I would have been the first person to tell you a couple weeks ago yeah. before that trailer dropped that I have zero interest in this film. Like, yeah. I have no idea who the character is. It seemed like a pretty goofy concept. Mm-hmm. But that trailer absolutely nailed it. I'm a day one viewer <laughs> of this film now. We're going to see it IMAX day yeah. one? Yes, we are. Up All at right. your place. We'll make We're, the trek up. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm yeah. super excited about this. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at how well this movie does because, you know, it really caters to kids, but it also caters to adults it caters to teens it caters to everyone it looks fun yeah i mean <laughs> that's the f word in the dc universe yeah. is fun and i think the important thing is is that the tone has to match the character yeah um you couldn't have this fun movie with batman at least no. in my opinion i don't think you're very much right right yeah it's the same like in the mc you couldn't do an ant-man style or a guardian style film in the in caps oh yeah that that would be so weird yeah it would be very weird so i agree with you totally they got to hit those that 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 kind of right footing for each of these characters but because now is the time that they're actually introducing characters like shazam flash maybe Mm -hmm. this birds of prey could go along the same lines that that looks like a rated r flick but again sorry coming back to to these three films what are your thoughts on them yeah, um, Birds of Prey, uh, Harley Quinn's in it, and Margot Robbie. You know, Suicide Squad is probably my least favorite film of the DCEU, but Margot Robbie and Will Smith absolutely nailed their characters. Yeah. So I'm excited to see more of Margot Robbie. Um, and you throw in Huntress and... Um, I can't think... Black Canary. Black Canary. Black Canary, of course, I'm a huge Green, Lan- or Green Lantern, a huge Green Arrow fan. Uh, she, you know... Uh, is the wife of Green Arrow, but she's more than the wife of Green Arrow. She's her own superhero. So I'm excited to see Black Canary finally make it to the big screen. I don't watch Arrow, the TV show. So, you know, this is kind of her first introduction in live action for me. And I'm excited. Uh, It's going to be like a lower budget, like maybe 50 million, 60 million. And give me like that rated R, that gritty kind of like that BVS style. I think this Birds of Prey would fit really well with that. And then, you know, as you said, you get to the next one, you got Flash. Flash, uh, Ezra Miller really played the character quirky. He played him kind of lighthearted, fun, making jokes, making quips, as you will. But uh, so, but make that um, make that uh, tone more lighthearted and fun. And I think it's just going to show like DC Extended Universe or DC Universe, whatever they're calling themselves, uh, can be whatever you want it to be. So you know, it doesn't all have to be light. It doesn't all have to be dark. It can be everything because DC has so many characters. Um, so I'm excited to see those two films. And what was the third one? Supergirl. So Supergirl, yeah. So I don't think there's been any production start date yet, but they're talking about a Supergirl film. So, I mean, if you've seen the first one with Faye Dunaway, uh, hopefully they stay far away from that one. Uh, it wasn't the best film, but it was a fun film. Yeah, the TV shows had lots of success. Absolutely, yeah. I love the TV show. Um, she's been crushing it on there. Uh, Melissa, I can't, I can't remember to pronounce her last name. I think it's 
like i think she's she french canadian it's french i'm not sure yeah uh we'll we'll edit that in post <laughs> <laughs> tim will just put it in okay sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I'm, uh, I'm super excited to see supergirl she's such a cool character and hopefully she can step out of the shadows of just being superman's cousin yeah and give her her own story her own villains and um just be a really cool movie and hopefully they find the right director and hopefully they have the right vibe i hope it's very similar to man of steel and maybe this will kickstart you know man of steel 2 because it's kind of the film i'm most excited to see but yeah. it's the one i don't have any um indication that it's ever going to get made again yeah troy's pretty hyped for that one too he on twitter there i know you had posted that out and he said okay, great, give me Man of Steel 2. Yeah. <laughs> so he seems to be really looking forward to that. And overall, like, the this Birds of Prey film, I, I really like them to change the title to something a bit more obvious, but that's okay. But they, they kind of threw out a synopsis or a rumored synopsis. Oh, yeah. Synopsis is out there. And it goes, after splitting with the Joker, Harley Quinn, and three other female superheroes, Black Canary Huntress and Renee Montoya, come together to save the life of a little girl, Cassandra Kane, from an evil crime lord. And this evil crime lord is now rumored to be the Black Mask. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot to unpack because Cassandra Kane grows up and becomes Batwoman. Yeah. And CW just announced that there's a Batwoman TV show. So, I mean, I'm super excited to see Cassandra Kane grow and eventually turn into Batwoman in the DC Extended Universe. And uh, Black Mask, you know, I don't know much about this character because I think he's in the Arkham games um, and he's in the Batman Red Hood animated mm -hmm. version. Upon first look, I think a lot of MCU fans are going to say, isn't that just Red Skull with a black mask on? That was my first impression. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's more of a crime boss, less uh, Nazi. So I think they're going to, that's how he's going to differentiate himself. But yeah, he does look awfully similar to Red Skull, doesn't he? Yeah, a little bit. Just in look, mm -hmm. maybe not so much in motivations or maybe dialect <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know if he's german or not but i'm gonna guess not no i'd hope they'd veer away from that a little bit you know it looks cool it looks like i'm excited to see kind of this rated r spin on like kind of a female gangster style of flick could be a lot of fun i wasn't a huge fan of harley quinn and suicide squad I thought it was a little over the top. I know that's a bit of the character, but maybe they can ground her out a little bit and have her leading this crew and maybe put a bit more of a supporting cast around her, remove the Joker out of this scenario, and just do something a little different again here. If DC is doing anything right now, it is trying to differentiate themselves from the other universe, whether that's Fox or the MCU or whatever, Sony stuff, mm -hmm. and do something different. You know, Shazam is a big step. Aquaman, the first underwater superhero. They did Wonder Woman, the first female-led superhero film in theaters in whatever, however long, right? Yeah. So in, really in this kind of new renaissance of comic book film. So this, again, is another step in a different direction with both Supergirl and Birds of Prey. It's, it's your, let's say, your A-Force or something to that effect that you'd get equivalent in marvel but again dc seems to be a bit more to the forefront at putting you know the female-led superheroes to the front of their universe and saying these are the characters we're relying on to extend this out it's interesting that they're doing it that way and i think it's admirable that they're saying that yes we can support a franchise off this and they've put the batman they've put man of steel on the back burner for now because i think it's it's going to be really fun and really entertaining to watch another different spin on a comic book movie film it's it's something we're getting more and more of as we move away from your classic characters mm -hmm. towards bigger characters that might have a much more longevity and a much more wider fan appeal than 
maybe not so much like Batman or Cap or anything like that, but maybe of some of your B, C listers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a Plastic Man film, yeah. probably. <laughs> you never know. But uh, uh, I did have a point and I forgot it. That's mm. all right. <laughs> You'll get there. Well, I want to talk quickly here while you're thinking about that, about Flash. Right. Again, Ezra Miller, I felt he's a bit of a place in Justice League, mm-hmm. and that might just be tonal. I think that he's a character that if they have the right writer, the right story, the right villain, they could do quite a bit within this universe. And playing from what they developed a little bit with Captain Boomerang in Suicide Squad, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Just giving him some time to shine and giving him a good supporting cast that he can banter with. I think in Dawn Justice, that's where some of my issues with The Flash were. I kind of like some of his scenes, but he needs someone to play off of, I think. Ezra Miller, I'm not sure if he is at a level where he can carry a full film without having a strong supporting cast. And so if they're able to construct that and pull all that together, I think this movie could be a lot of fun. Yeah, and the one thing I'm really excited for is to find out who the villain is, because I'm really hoping it's Gorilla Grodd, and they really move forward with this Legion of Doom idea because you have Black Manta set up an Aquaman, you have Lex Luthor, you have Deathstroke, you have all these sweet superheroes. And that's something we haven't seen in the comic book movie universe yet is a group of heroes fighting a group of villains. Yeah. It's always just cannon fodder where it's just a robot that seems to go down with one punch where it, this would be something completely different, something super cool. And it would really make Justice League 2 stand out as opposed to the first one, which... Um, a lot of people is like, you know, we've seen this before with the Avengers. So this, you know, Justice League 2, if they fight the Legion of Doom, completely different. Avengers have never gone up against like a team of villains. It's just been like one big baddie. So that's something I really hope they go forward with because as much as Justice League didn't do so well in the box office, I still in my heart believe that the potential is there for a billion dollar movie. And I don't think I'm alone in uh, thinking that. I don't think you're wrong in thinking that either. I think there is potential there. But if they're going to do a Legion of Doom style of film, they have to introduce the villains individually. Mm -hmm. They can't rely on building a story within Justice League and trying to make you care about the villains. You have to understand the villains before going in. And I think, like you said, introducing them in a flash, introducing them in Aquaman. You know what I mean? Get those villains out there. Don't kill them off. You're starting to see the the seeds of that sown in the Spider-Man universe, right? Yeah, yeah. And they got to do the same thing. You You have to understand these villains and have at least some engagement or connection with them before stacking them up. You have to know the implications of having that group of characters fighting the Justice League Mm -hmm. and how it's not just like, why doesn't Superman just go punch them all in the face? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? They have to have that active threat, that understanding of how the implications for it and how big it is to put something like that on screen. Oh, man. And if they do, I really hope they tab Zack Snyder to come back, but I don't think they will because the man can direct an action scene like no one else. Just come in as the second unit director to do the action scenes. Oh, man. That would be such a disservice to Zack Snyder. He is second to no one. (laughs) (laughs) You do love your dude, Zack Snyder. I do. He is my uh, zaddy. Your zaddy. (laughs) As they call him online. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He has such a huge female following because he he is such a hottie. He is pretty jacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I think it's time we move away from DC now All before right. we get on too much. All right. Of a... So I'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Sanjay. Oh. <laughs> Let's look a little at Star Wars. Now, Steve and I wrapped up a lot of the Star Wars talk and fallout from San Diego Comic Con and that big announcement of the cast for episode nine. Now, following that announcement was a tweet from J.J. Abrams late last week 
with regards to the start of production on episode nine. He released an image, the first image from episode nine, and a tweet. Now, the tweet reads, bittersweet starting the next chapter without Carrie, but thanks to an extraordinary cast and crew, we are ready to go. Grateful for Ryan Johnson and the special thanks to George Lucas for creating this incredible world and beginning a story of which we are lucky to be a part of. Hashtag nine. So let's unpack a little bit of that. So last week, Steve and I discussed the idea that Carrie Fisher was going to be in this film. That was huge news. Very Mm -hmm. excited about that. They're going to go back and use previously unused footage from The Force Awakens. We will update that in just a minute here. But it's J.J. Abrams back helming this. This photo looks really sweet. It's very stylized. You've got a camera. You've got the Roman numerals for 7 and 9 on there. The start and the end of this next chapter, the sequel trilogy. And contained within the film is Chewbacca, Finn, and Rey on the bridge of the Falcon. Pretty exciting to see this, man. What are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on J.J. Abrams coming back here and giving us a little bit of insight as towards the start of production on Star Wars Episode Nine. Well, I'm confused because I thought The Last Jedi killed Star Wars. At least that's <laughs> yeah. what everyone said online. Well, fortunately, they are very, <laughs> very wrong. Yeah. I'm excited. I mean, as I said, I'm excited for every movie until I have a reason not to be, I yeah. guess. And, you know, I really enjoyed Episode Seven, Episode Eight. Um, I enjoyed, but a little less so, but I still enjoyed it. Um, Rogue One, love that. And Solo was surprised me how much I really enjoyed that film. Yeah. So, you know, add it. This is really, I think, this film, what it's going to be is it's going to be the capstone to the new Disney trilogy. And, you know, the new um, cast, Finn, Ray, and Kylo Ren, I think this is the film where they take the baton and they run with it. And, you know, episode 10, if they do make an episode 10, which I assume they will. Um, well, this film last week came in with that casting news saying that this was the end of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. So it doesn't need necessarily mean the end of Finn or Poe or Rey, but I would say that spells out some of the demise for uh, Kylo Ren. He's part of that Skywalker lineage. Oh, yeah, I see. So the, that, that whole He's... story, that whole family, I think, has to come to some sort, at least the story in itself, has to come to some, some sort of conclusion by the end of this film. And I think that probably means the death of Kylo. Would now, be my opinion right at the gate. Now, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. And I'm always right. So, um, <laughs> I think this film ends with Kylo Ren dying. But we find out that Rey is pregnant with his child. So, you're a Raylo guy. I think they're going to do the nasty. And uh, <laughs> she's going to get pregnant. And I think maybe that's what the next trilogy is going to be about is this, this finally, you know, I guess that goes against ending the Skywalker saga because yeah. that would be a Skywalker baby. But I, I think that's what they're going to do. And I don't know. I don't know why. I think it would be a cool idea. It'd be kind of neat. It'd be kind of like going back to the roots because, you know, the end of episode three, we see Luke and Leia being born interesting yeah you can, you can at sunjay at sunjabi on twitter yeah your thoughts on that because I, I like a good bold prediction yeah you know, i'm not i'm not one that's on board for that i don't want to see the redemption of kylo ren in this trilogy i want to see him go down in flames because of the character they've kind of developed here i don't think there's a redemptive arc for him in there i know star wars a lot of it's about redemption mm-hmm. i don't think it's there for him 
And I don't want to see that. I want them to see it go in a completely sideways direction with this character development. But who knows? I don't know. I don't know what JJ is going to do. I think he's going to do a lot of throwing back to not so much in the same way that The Force Awakens was, but we're going to see a lot of familiar themes, I think, here. He wants to conclude this in a big way. It's got to be a film that reunites fandom as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he's going to overtly try to appease the fan base or the people that didn't like episode eight or solo or whatever he's going to do a story and and construct a story that i think he is satisfied with that caps off the skywalker saga i really do think he's the guy to do this and just by the look of this photo they're all happy everyone's laughing everyone's having a good time (laughs) i think jj man he's the one to bring it across the finish line and i'm quite excited for that yeah i mean the one thing with jj is you know he always starts off strong and we look at the star trek films so he started off in 2009 and then the next one into darkness People are a little bit more divided, and you look at his TV show Lost. Yeah, you and Troy were saying, you know, the first couple seasons was phenomenal. Well, at the end of it, you know, he just couldn't keep up that momentum. So I'm curious to see how this pans out because the first one, everyone, well, I assumed everyone loved. I mean, the movie made a ton of money. I love it. You love it. Troy loves it. We all love it. So the second one, you know, his second time making a movie. Let's see if he can keep that momentum going. Well, the nice thing about this one is that he's he's had some time to rest, to prepare. He's not on an exhaustive schedule of trying to, you know, churn out these films. So I'm hoping that he can take the, some of the work and some of the ideas that he had from The Force Awakens originally. And I don't want to see him retconning anything from Ryan Johnson, but I want mm-hmm. to see him to take his own spin on that Ryan Johnson trilogy or that Ryan Johnson story and kind of cap this off nicely because it's nice for him to kind of bookend this whole trilogy with a Ryan Johnson piece in the middle. Yeah. So now going to Leia's story here. Now we talked about last week the idea that Leia or Carrie Fisher indeed was going to be portraying Leia in this film. Now due to her untimely death, a couple years ago, um, it's not going to be with her acting. It's going to be using archival footage. Now, originally it was released that it would be from The Force Awakens. And now her brother, Todd Fisher, said that they will indeed also be using footage from The Last Jedi. You know, he expressed how his whole entire family are very excited and very much wanting this to happen, her to get that appropriate ending. But this new little tidbit about them using The Last Jedi as well as The Force Awakens could give an indication that we may see a little bit more of Leia than we had initially anticipated. Now, Sanjay, what are your kind of ideas or thoughts on them using archival footage to give Leia an appropriate end to her big arc, her big story in the Star Wars universe. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's a, you know, I really think that's a good idea. Um, unfortunately, you know, she can't um, be here for the the new film, so you have to use archival footage. Otherwise, you know, it wouldn't it'd feel wrong for her to go out any other way or have her story end any other way if it was just like a you know in the opening crawl or something. Yeah. This is one of the most iconic uh, film characters of all time. And it would feel wrong to have someone else play yes. Princess Leia. Or them to use a CGI a la Rogue One. Yeah, thing. exactly. Um, so, you know, um, it's sad, but they're making the best out of a horrible situation. Yeah. 
And I think JJ, the thing that I expressed last week too is that I think JJ Ames is the appropriate person to do this because he worked closely with her. Mm-hmm. You know, he had an idea of what she was capable of, and some of these shots that they did shoot in the Force Awakens, he worked directly with her. You know, even if they have Ryan Johnson kind of working a bit hand in hand with this story, where he thought it was going himself, and using some of that the unused footage from the last Jedi to help pair up and, and kind of give a bit more padding to her story to help give us that, that satisfactory ending and that ending that character and that actress deserves in this film franchise. So I'm super stoked to hear that, that they're going to be using as much as possible. It's not just isolated purely to the force awakens, but they're also bringing in some of the last Jedi stuff. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm super stoked about that. I think that, they are going to do her justice. Her family seems quite uh, happy with it. And I think fandom is going to get really what they want out of that character. She's not going to be absent. She's not going to be, you know, we're not going to walk into a, a funeral scene or anything like that. We may get that at some point in the film, but it looks like she's going to have a role to play of some sort. Mm-hmm. Now, keeping with Star Wars here. Now, we talked about the DC streaming service, and you had did mention there as well the Disney streaming service. This is yeah. coming sometime in 2019. They haven't been quite clear about that. But we're starting to get real ideas as to what's going to be laid out on that platform. It looks like starting with Captain Marvel, that's going to be the first film that will go onto Disney streaming service, and that'll be the last one. That, or last one will be, I guess, Ant-Man and the Wasp, or Infinity War Part 2, whatever it's going to be, mm-hmm. that will land. No, it won't be, because that comes before. Ant-Man <laughs> and the Wasp will be the last Marvel MCU film that is going to land on the Disney streaming service. Or uh, Netflix? on Netflix, yeah. sorry. Okay. And Captain Marvel will be the first one to land on the Disney streaming service and not on Netflix. We're probably going to see a lot of those start to pull away as the rights revert back for or whatever the distribution deal that they have with Netflix. You're going to see all that shift over to the Disney streaming service. Now, we talked about, in quite a bit of detail already, Favreau, John Favreau, doing this live action, the first live action Star Wars show, and that's going to be dropping on that streaming service. Now, the Times did report a budget for this and that it's going to run for 10 episodes. So I'm pretty excited about this 10 episode. I often complain about the Netflix stuff being a bit long. I would Mm -hmm. like it more around that eight to 10 episode instead of like an 11 to 13. Right. But the big thing here is the budget. It's estimated to be about a hundred million dollars. So that puts it at about $10 million per episode. Now, just for a relative comparison, the last season of Game of Thrones was each episode. I think there's six episodes. I think each episode was between 10, 15 million dollars. Okay, so it's around the same. Around the same less. as the last season okay. of Game of Thrones. Now, I haven't watched any of that, but I'm assuming there's a lot of CGI in that with the dragons mm-hmm. and big epic battles and all that. But this is a good budget. This isn't a million-dollar budget. This isn't per episode. This is a big budget. And so there's a lot that they can do with that. What are your thoughts, man? Like, like $10 million per episode, do you think that's enough to give it a Star Wars vibe? To give it, if I don't know if they're going to be using lightsabers or what. Yeah. Is it enough? You know, I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe I'm being a little bit picky here, but so The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi was probably a $250 million budget. It probably was, yeah. Um, For two and a half hours of screen time. We'll say three hours of screen time. Um, I'm assuming these episodes are an hour long. Yeah, I think so. Probably like 45 to 55 minutes, something like that. Okay, so... Um, so 10 you, hours of... So, if, so I'm just trying to do the math here. So then... You know, that's like $80 million an hour they had on the movies. This is going to be only $10 million an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Star Wars, you could do it in space for the cheap. You know what I mean? 
like Star Trek, you could because it's kind of like quaint like that. But Star Wars has to be like epic and grand and grand. Does it though? Does it? Can you scale it back and do a series that isn't that though that grand? You know, evil the good versus evil big battles and all that. Like let's say focusing on bounty hunters or something like that. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure there's lots of stories they could do. You definitely know more than me. Yeah. Stories that fit, Maybe. but the only Star Wars films stuff that I know is just the movies, and all of them are kind of epic in scale. Yeah, the big the big scale stuff. Right. So in terms of like the the other stories, I'm sure there could be. I'm, but I just don't know what it could be. Yeah. Well, and I don't really know if if we are gonna. Well, we know when it takes place, right? Three years after Return of the Jedi. Right. So we're in a post Empire world. We're in a world that has Jedi, or a universe, I should say, a galaxy, that has Jedi again, that's on the upswing. So, yeah, there's a potential for them to to jump into something that might be a bit Jedi-oriented. I'm trying to think what would suck a lot of money out of a budget for something like this. And yes, clearly it's CGI, mm-hmm. but what are you going to be doing? You know, if you're doing a lot of, like, Star Trek does a lot of, like, the inside, right? Yeah. Inside the spaceships. It's not about the space battles and all that so much with Star Trek. It's mm-hmm. on the same scale that you do get in a Star Wars film. Yeah. But you need to have CGI character or or big battles or something to suck that up. Like, the most of the budget, I would assume, on Game of Thrones goes towards the dragons and all that, the big scale battles and the... I guess crispness of it, the mm-hmm. feel, like it feels like you watch something like Agents of Shield, it feels like a TV show. Yeah, yeah. right. You want this to feel like it's more of a cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. So some of that could go into just the camera work, the the type of cameras they use. You know, you can get away with having a relatively low budget cast and putting a lot of effort and money into making this thing look like it came right off the screen, right out of a galaxy far, far away. And I guess the thing is too, each episode doesn't have to be you well, know spent it. that 10 million right yeah. some episodes may be like a two million dollar budget and some might be a 20 million so yeah. that's a good point yeah yeah you can spread that out i guess averaging doesn't really you know you're you're probably opening two episodes are probably quite big your final yeah. two episodes are quite big but yeah you can have oh i don't want to say bottle episodes because mm-hmm. that implies that you know there's not much going on there and that there's just like you said saving money for future things they've done yeah. that in a lot of shows but they could do things like that where they have much more quieter personal story mm-hmm. going on and or something that doesn't quite require a lightsaber or the force or a big space battle or anything like that. Really knock it back, but still continue that story. Maybe they'll involve Ewoks. Who knows? Your you favorite. Know, the uh, end, Christmas in Endor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just Jon Favreau doing the holiday special. That'd be amazing. In episodic form. <laughs> <laughs> no, really excited things coming out of both the DC and Star Wars universe. You know, we were worried that we weren't going to get the content for Star Wars because we have this big lull. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like we're going to have that. Between the TV shows, the Clone Wars saved, and Resistance coming out, on top of all the collecting stuff that we ran down last week, the books, everything is firing on all cylinders for both Star Wars and DC. Now, the other thing that we talk about on this podcast is Marvel. It's and Marvel. I thought it was Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, yeah. All right, <laughs> the Hobbit Amazon series. But you can find Lord of the Rings discussion over the Green Door podcast. Friends of ours, go check them out, ads. And James, fantastic stuff. If you're looking for everything Tolkien. 
That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> big pump there. Beautiful segue. But let's segue over to Marvel here. Now, we have done two episodes. The last two episodes has been focused on summarizing a lot of the content coming out of San Diego Comic-Con 2018. We really didn't have a chance to talk about Marvel. And one of the reasons that is, is because Marvel found themselves fairly absent from the Nexus of Nerd in 2018. Now, I wanted to get your opinion on that. I know, and I want to get Steve Kirk's opinion. He was on the podcast last week. He did have a blurb about that. So I'm looking forward to hearing that from him at some point. But I want to hear your opinion here, Sanjay. What did you think about Marvel's absence from San Diego Comic-Con 2018? Because we've kind of found ourselves, yes, we're getting some insight towards Captain Marvel. We got Infinity War dropping, Ant-Man and the Wasp is still in theaters. But they've been fairly quiet, both from Fox and from the MCU side of things for the last little bit. Now, we're going to talk about the Venom trailer here. Yeah. But that didn't drop at San Diego Comic-Con. What are your thoughts on Marvel kind of skipping out this year on the big cons? Yeah, it is disappointing because, you know, one of my favorite things was all the trailers that come out of it, and Marvel is a big part of that. And, you know, I really loved, like, after the Comic-Con ended, we would always discuss, okay, who won Comic-Con? Yeah. You know, we'd be like, okay, you have the Marvel trailer, you have the DC trailer. Oh, did you like this? Did you like that? They announced this movie, they announced that movie. And, you know, with it being noticeably absent, you know, I think it even... DC had a time to shine, but it probably hurt them a little bit as well because if Marvel was there, there would be more eyes on SDCC this year. But because, you know, they weren't there, a lot of people that, you know, watched nothing but Marvel didn't even pay attention. Well, they probably still, but, you know, a small percentage of them probably didn't even pay attention this year because, like, well, Marvel's not coming, so there's no point. Yeah. Overall, it felt smaller to me. Absolutely, yeah. Like the scale of it. Now, I wasn't down there. We heard from Steve last week. We're going to hear at some point from already Rob Cass about his experiences down there, but it seemed to be much more focused, at least for me on the toys. Mm-hmm. We didn't get any big trailers. We didn't get any more insights or announcements. Like we weren't expecting anything from the MCU, but Fox is kind of shut down. Yes. That Disney deal looks like it is going to go through. It's gotten the approval. Comcast is backed off. So I don't know if they're just putting a pin in that for now and waiting to see what they're going to do. Just cap it all off. The film's done, throw it out there. But it would have been nice to get a bit more insight outside of Deadpool. Mm-hmm. You know, what are they doing? Is it our X-Force? So I guess, and I understand that they're in a bit of limbo at this point. But at the same time, I, I did feel that absence. You know, I got, I got to see some of the legends that they're pumping out here. The new Black Panther wave. We've got like a T'Chaka, Ulysses Claw, a Shuri, an Unmasked Black Panther, Adora Milaje, Ao. So we're getting a cool wave there from the Marvel Legends. You know, they're dumping a ton a ton of comic book characters and legends like i'm talking on the order of like 10 or 15 legends they announced there and i know troy's gonna be chasing a lot of these you know you got characters like gambit you've got professor x and a hover chair coming out of that x-men 90s sort of look you've got a lot of you know wolverine versus sentinel big target exclusive a lot of spider-man stuff here with the new film coming out miles morales getting some of the limelight you're also getting some of the Netflix characters and exclusive down there. So from the toy perspective, Marvel is still cooking out and still dumping a lot of these legends. But the interesting thing coming out of San Diego Comic-Con is this Hasbro Pulse thing that was announced a few a year ago, I think, at San Diego Comic-Con. And this interaction with fans and with people and lovers of collecting the figures. They put out this survey the other day that I had the opportunity to fill out 
and was really asking a lot of questions about price point, about the detailing on the sculpts. Do you like realistic, like movie style of figures? Do you like more comic based characters? What price point are you comfortable with? Okay. So they seem to be, I guess, understanding that we want, at least me personally, a lot more of these realistic looking faces of the MCU figures. Mm -hmm. I love that they can give all these comic book characters, but I want the MCU characters. So Hasbro, in a sense, at San Diego Comic-Con, really is starting to listen, and they always do listen, to the fans of collecting the Legends, and I'm excited for that because this Black Panther wave is all MCU figures, nice. which is something that we don't generally get. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to see that that was some of the big news coming out of San Diego was really the figures and the comic books. Now, we're going to talk in a ton of detail here about the comic books, but for me personally, I was I was a little, I'm not going to say upset because I enjoyed some of the Star Wars stuff and Star Wars had kind of a bit of a noticeable absence there, but there was a lot with the figures and books. DC really ran the show there. Yeah. And I guess that's the big benefit. Like you said, that maybe we had less eyes on it, but DC had an opportunity to shine there. Mm -hmm. And Marvel seems to have stepped back for now as they prepare for this next big wave of films in Captain Marvel and Avengers 4. They're obviously going to release that title at some point here in the not-too-distant future. That movie is got to be close to being wrapped. Yeah. Because they start, stopped filming months and months ago. Yeah. But... Yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. It just it felt a little weird to me that, that Marvel wasn't around, or at least the film side of things, kind of getting that hype up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's like uh, San Diego Comic-Con is like the Super Bowl of yeah. nerddom. And, you know, even when your team doesn't make the Super Bowl, if you go to the Super Bowl, you still rep their jersey. Yeah. So, you know, Marvel, it's not like they didn't even have anything. They have Captain Marvel, which is coming out in a couple months. And, you know, we got nothing for it yeah just some concept art and um that's about it they got to be building to something big here at some point because this whole year has been about marvel marvel studios 10th anniversary you know yeah. we saw that on the floor and i saw photos from steve and rob they had a big exhibit they had all the cap suits out. they had all the thor suits out. they had all the you know the women of mcu suits mm -hmm. out. so a lot of looking backwards still yeah um, looking at the past 10 years from Infinity War back. So it's almost time to switch gears here and really look forward in the MCU. And that's something that we still haven't quite gotten yet. It's all about, let's remember what we've done here. And I think it's great. Like we're starting to see these Marvel 10th anniversary legends drop. Mm -hmm. You know, Troy's got his hands on both the Red Skull and the Iron Man from Avengers. I'm super jealous. I almost stole them today because <laughs> I was over there picking up the equipment. Yeah. But beyond that you know there's there's not a whole lot like yeah there's great stuff there's a 10th anniversary big book that they announced that i'm going to definitely be picking up mm -hmm. and i love that that nostalgic look back on the 10th anniversary because i respect a lot what they've done but i also need a little look forward so i'm, I'm just it's less or less me complaining and more me hoping for a little more like I'm, I'm really excited for this next phase i think i've had enough time to reflect back on the last 10 years, I'm really looking forward to the next 10 years. That, that's got to be their next big thing, like Marvel Studios, the next 10 years. Right. And maybe they're just waiting for that Fox deal to go through. Maybe. Maybe I mean, that's that's the big thing, right? What does the MCU look like? And maybe it's less about announcing a film for Fantastic Four, but saying, yeah, they're going to be integrated. We'll let you know when. But that's in my head, the next 10 years. Yeah, I mean... People are really excited about this Disney acquisition of Fox. And, you know, it's understandable. 
But, you know, I think there is a little bit of a downside because I think if Marvel and Disney, if they held the rights to the X-Men and the Fantastic Four initially, um, you wouldn't have got a Doctor Strange film. You wouldn't have gotten Ant-Man no, film. No, not at all. And now we get it all. Yeah. So it's, it's actually worked out rather well. Mm-hmm. But now it's about integrating and now it's about doing different stories. You need diff- Now you need those franchises because you're Captain America, you're Iron Man and Thor. They may be coming to some sort of conclusion so you need fantastic four black panther x-men all that to, to helm this going forward and maybe down the road we can get a, another cap a cap four at some point yeah for something bigger like the scrolls i don't know what what you can do galactus. but galactus who knows there's so many you know silver surf there's so many possibilities out there but yeah it's it's to me it was a noticeable absence it's not a um i don't think it's a detriment to the con itself mm-hmm. but you know, this is what we do on a weekly basis and we like to get all that. Maybe it's us being a little greedy, but overall, I, I you know, I think the con in itself to kind of wrap up our overall coverage, I think it was fairly successful from announcements on everything from the figures, both Marvel, DC and Star Wars. We got a ton of stuff from the DC extended universe mm-hmm. and we got some real great insights as to what's coming next with regards to comic books. So very exciting stuff coming up. And I think that more or less wraps up our San Diego Comic-Con coverage because not to what, like a week later or so, Venom made its presence felt once more. We are Venom. We are the nerd room. Right, that's like the next my man. My man, we are something. Yeah, we are Groot. But anyways, (laughs) it's been done. What are your thoughts on this? Now, this trailer dropped about a week or so ago. I didn't really catch it right off the bat. I was kind of away. But the buzz online about it was fairly negative. Yeah, which surprised me because I actually just watched it for the first time today. Like, it kind of slipped under my radar. Yeah. I just been like, I meant to see it, and I kind of watched it, but my daughter was like, what What are you watching, Dad? Yeah. So I had to, like, kind of be like, nothing, nothing. It's uh, Paw Patrol. Go run away. This guy is on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just watching it now, I loved a lot of stuff that we saw from it. Um, I didn't love everything, though. Um, some of the stuff I really love, like, I think Venom looks kind of menacing. He's big. He's He definitely looks better in this than he did in Spider-Man 3, in my opinion. Maybe. Really? I, I don't I have to go back and watch Spider-Man 3. That was one of the biggest things I had issues with in this trailer was the look of Venom. Okay. I, I don't know if the CGI is not done. It just feels... I don't know, when we first saw the, the original trailer and it really didn't show anything of Venom, Yeah, I was looking forward to to it being a bit more of a subtle take on Venom. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe do the Jekyll Hyde thing. I like the, the voices in his head. Yeah. But this seems like they're going to go all out Venom. Yeah. And to me, the CGI really has to be on point. I don't think it's there yet. Yeah. It looks funny when it's when Tom Hardy's head's out. Yeah, when he like splits it in half. That, yeah, that looked a little wonky. When he's talking, it looks funny to me. I he just looks a bit too big. Now I'm not a big Venom reader. Yeah, I don't like the arms coming out the back. Like it seems, it just it just doesn't flow properly. And now that you know we're still a couple months out, they still may be touching up the CGI. It looks like they're going to be multiple symbiotes in it. There's a female in there. It looked mm-hmm. like Ahmed Best character. Um, or Riz Ahmed. Yeah, no, Ahmed, Ahmed Best with Jar Binks. <laughs> I mean, Riz <laughs> Ahmed. His character looks like he's going to be some sort of gray venom or something like that. Gray yeah. symbiote. So I just don't want this to be a cluster frig of a movie, you know? <laughs> 
I mean, it kind of looks a bit like that to me. I mean, the one thing I really like is the tone. I think, you know, this looks something different. And I really get Amazing Spider-Man 1 vibes from this. Like, this feels like this could take place in the Andrew Garfield universe. Not Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, yeah, I get, I feel you there. Like, yeah. it, but I, to me, that's not a good thing. Really? Because the first one, one was okay. Yeah. yeah. The second one, though, but this doesn't look like this. Like, the second one can just fly off somewhere. It killed the Spider-Man to Sony universe, which maybe isn't a bad thing because now we got Tom Holland to Spider-Man. Yep. So, uh, but I, you know, how cool would it be to see Andrew Garfield appear and you could have two Spider-Mans going side by side? Yeah, I don't, I think that's too confusing. I, the more and more I see of this, the less and less I want Spider-Man to be a part of it. Like, I know Spider-Man's an integral part of Venom's story. Yeah. But if they can get away without putting him in there or, or maybe referencing it offhandedly. Yeah. Like, they can't, like, this can't be part of the MCU the way it looks. Oh, no way. But I mean, like, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. Is that too confusing? Or I mean, they you just look gonna... at DC, we have, they're having two Joker movies going side by side. That's true. Yeah. I guess it's in their best interest to have as much Spider-Man out there as Absolutely. possible. Absolutely. But I'm I'm struggling with this. Like the more and more I see it, the less and less I'm impressed by it. Like yeah. the first trailer, it looked like it was really going that horror vibe. Yeah. But even some of the stuff I loved about the first trailer, they've added CGI to the scenes now. Mm-hmm. Um, big CGI. Yeah. So, to me, for this to really land, if they're going all out on the CGI, the CGI has to look impeccable. Yeah. And it's just not there. I don't like. I I don't know. I don't know what my expectation of Venom is. Right now, I'm not vibing too much with the look, the way he talks, mm-hmm. the big chomping motions towards the camera. Oh, I, I dig it. I don't know. like, And I might be being a bit nitpicky here. It might need to be seen on the big screen. Yeah. But Tom Hardy isn't doing for me in there. The the You know, that part about the parasite, that was kind of funny. But I don't know. There's something about his portrayal in that that I'm just not really on board with that at this point yeah i mean it'd be interesting to see what troy says because he's the big spider-man yeah. guy but he's not he said he, you know he's not the biggest venom guy no so yeah i think if this is a success definitely the avenue to go next step is carnage yeah he's, well i'm surprised carnage should be in this film i think maybe he is well that's the thing that would be kind of cool if they've kept that off screen like yeah. they're like i said they're going with multiple symbiotes yeah that is a like next next likely candidate which would be pretty cool in the film, but mm-hmm. it looks like the the main villain is going to be taking some sort of symbiote form. So you're starting to get a lot of symbiotes in here, a lot of different characters. So I, I really don't know. I'm I don't want to be super negative on this because I do want to give it a chance. Yeah. But the next trailer or teaser or whatever it is, I don't know if that was the final. Might have been the final trailer. It's got to really impress. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. it's gone from a film that I thought they were doing something very unique with and maybe more subtle with the Venom to something that's full-fledged, like Venom's going to be on screen for half the time. Yeah, yeah. So, which might not be a bad thing if they tighten things up. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on the script and the, the acting. Exactly. Like, we, it's hard to tell mm-hmm. from what we saw i think in my mind they showed most of the movie but yeah. i thought that spider-man homecoming was the same way yeah to yeah. a degree yeah but yeah i don't know wait and see on this one guys like i'm gonna go see it in theaters like i i think i need to see this unless i'm just off put horrendously by what comes out next yeah but i'm at the point where i'm still gonna see it in theaters maybe not day one it's not a shazam trailer for me or anything like that but 
I'm I'm gonna say cautiously optimistic at this point. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm not like you know, for me, like the trailer that won Comic Con for me was Aquaman, and I know like just chatting, you uh, you think the Shazam trailer yeah was the better trailer. Definitely, if we're talking about the trailers that have been released in the last little bit, whether it's mm-hmm. Venom, Aquaman, um, Shazam from the comic book universe, yeah, I think Shazam is a standout for for next year by far. You know, I I went. It was a film that I had zero connection to, and so some of these have swapped around. Like Venom's really dropped off for me. I was never mm-hmm. really fully on board with it, but I was kind of curious about it. Yeah, Shazam, I never even paid attention to. We talked about it, but I never really. I was like, eh, the suit looked dumb. Yeah like from the, the shots that we saw and you're like, no, just wait and see. Just wait. And you're right, man. Like it looks fantastic. Like I'm yeah. really excited for that. Aquaman, you know, I'm excited for what's his name? Cal Drago. Um, My man, Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. I'm excited for him. Yeah. And I put it on Twitter right away. I love what they're doing with the water voices. They're yeah. just ignoring that. They're not doing bubbles. They're not doing whatever. I think that's, it's just a simple sleek way mm-hmm. of doing the dialogue underwater and not having to worry about other elements. Let's put the money into the, the surrounding elements. The part about the Aquaman trailer that kind of threw me off was I know you want big scale, but all the fish and the sharks and that whole thing yeah. that that felt really big to me. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about it that bothered me, but it's another film. I'm like, like with you day one, like it's yeah. your dude. And <laughs> it's, it's, that's a big part of our world is the DC side of things. So I want to see it. I want it to be good. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I really, I really like that. They're going for like the brass ring or they're gold, going for the gold ring. Like they could have easily scaled this back, yeah. but you know, with a $160 million budget, isn't like a, t- it's a ton of money, but like, when you look at Batman v Superman had a $250 million yeah. budget. So they are, you know, cutting back, but I think James Wan, like, I just love that he's going for it. Like Atlantis looks like something we've never seen before. Underwater thing is something that's kind of new. You know, Disney's probably looking at that going, shit, they beat us to Little Mermaid. Yeah. You know, and Avatar 2 was supposed to take place underwater. James Cameron's looking at that going, shit, he beat us, you know? So that's something that's cool that, um, I think I think um, it's gonna be a big hit. I'm super excited for it. It's kind of like my last chance in my box office race to have a big hit because the other films are just kind of tanking for me. Yeah. So we've basically seen the trailers now for all of the films. When we're talking about Venom here, yeah, Aquaman until the end of the year for for the big tentpole films in the comic book world. Yeah, I think there's only those two left. Yeah, and then there's like kind of adjacent like action flex. You've got like Bumblebee and a oh, few other things. Yeah. Right? And you've yeah. got uh, not so much in this world is the Mary Poppins that moved up into direct competition with Aquaman now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess at an anticipation level for 2018, what we've got left, I'm racking my brain here. I'm sure I'm sure I'm missing something oh, into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, is another big one. But we've basically gotten ourselves down to three big films, Venom, Aquaman, and into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. I'd have to say in order, I'm probably forgetting one there, but that's okay. <laughs> in order of anticipation for me, I'm going to have to say into the Spider-Verse, Aquaman, Venom. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go Aquaman um, into the Spider-Verse because I really liked what they did there. Yeah. And Venom third, but I'm still super excited for all three. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good end of the year. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. We got the three very different films. Mm-hmm. We've gotten some huge scale films this past year with Infinity War and Black Panther. Yeah. And now it's time to sidestep the genre into something a little different. So exciting times for the nerd world, for the geek world, because 
as we move into what we thought was going to be a relative lull period, it looks like we've gotten a ton of content to discuss. And going forward, we've got a lot to do as well. We're going to catch up on some of our MCU retrospective stuff, of course. Mm -hmm. But we're also going to be doing detours. And we're also going to be catching up a bit more on comic books, something that we haven't focused in a ton amount of time on in the last little bit. But I want to get back to basics, talking a bit more Marvel, Star Wars, and DC from a comic book perspective. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. So it's going to be very exciting. Next week, we are going to be back to the normal formula hopefully troy sanjay and myself will all be at the table we'll be talking to grabs here we'll be getting back to basics and i'm really exciting i'm really feeling like this is a kickoff to kind of season three of the nerd room if you will <laughs> phase three phase three we, we need to bring in like a sidekick or like a little green alien that appears yeah something really off the wall and crazy <laughs> we, we need to you know what do they always do in like tv shows they gotta do something like super crazy like a random uh character that just comes out of nowhere yeah sanjay just screaming the whole time sanjay's a dc hater now i don't know something crazy like that we'll see you know maybe we'll get like someone on a unicycle making balloon animals and you can win a balloon animal every episode yeah that'd be fantastic it cost a fortune to ship <laughs> sounds crazy sanjay your ideas man that's why everything is always so put together here <laughs> tim always has like this nice outline of stuff and then i always just like like if we ever went on a road trip together we'd kill each other yeah because you'd be like all right let's go here and I'd be like oh yo world's largest like bowling shoe I'd be like we have to go check it out tim's like we're making great time man like let's stay on the road that's why i love talking <laughs> with the three of us because we'll have our own little jobs here yeah you're the tangent man you're the idea man so you bring the hilarity you bring the laughter i love it i love everything about this podcast guys and i hope you do too because that about wraps it up for us this week i'm excited to get back at the table next week but if you'd like to be a part of this show you can always email us on the nerdram at gmail.com. You hit us up on Facebook or YouTube. And we're always hanging out on Twitter. Our handles at the end of the episode. You can catch everything we do on the nerdroom.net and Star Wars. Nope. That's a different website. Star Wars Commonwealth.com. And We'll give one last shout out before we wrap the episode up here, and that's to our boy Chop Rules with a Z. There's a very large package here sitting to my left that we're going to open next week due to the absence of Troy. We could not open it this week. Are so you talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> Big package <laughs> left of me. There you go. There it is. But we're excited to open that. It is the Loophole Mystery Box from Chop Rules with a Z over at Tumbling Saber. So thank you for that in advance, and I'm really excited to see what we get inside this next week. So make sure you tune in for that. We'll be doing that right at the top of the episode. Yeah, I have a sneaking suspicion. I know what it is this time. I thought I knew what it was last time, but I was... Oh. <laughs> That's my fault. Sanjay's parents are going. <laughs> and we are going to wrap it up with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Until next week for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Sanjay. And thank you for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.